0: well kia ora and welcome to the Destinate NZ podcast I'm Michelle and I'm Chambers and today we're going to
1: Hobbiton Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's quite an exciting experience isn't it Shane's got lots to tell us Absolutely. So yeah, we have Shane
0: Forrest, the GM of sales and marketing and everything else at the moment, it sounds like, at Hobbiton (laughs) joining us on the podcast today. And Chambers, I have to say, I really
1: enjoyed this interview. Yes, me too. He had a lot of good things to say about what they're doing in the domestic market and he's really positive and upbeat and I loved it. And we learned some more about him.
0: I know, but we won't give it away now. We'll tune into the episode. But yeah, who knew that that was his background? I was fascinated by that and it kind of made a lot of things fall into place for me. You have to
1: listen. You have to listen.
0: (laughs) And I'm going to have to break it to my husband. I think I agreed to go to International Hobbit Day on our wedding anniversary next year. So that's going to be interesting. It sounded like a lot
1: of fun. I think I might come and join you.
0: Yeah, you should come with me.
1: (laughs) And John, of course, he should come. And John, yes, we
0: mustn't leave John at home. Okay, well, look, let's get into it and we will talk to everybody next week. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Yeah,
1: enjoy. Shane
0: Forrest, welcome to the Destinate NZ show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: You're very welcome. So now um, you're the GM of sales marketing at Hobbiton. That's right?
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: But we were chatting a couple of weeks ago at the Tourism Summit when I mentioned that we had Dylan Rushbrook coming onto the show and you made a little comment to me that you were, in fact, the best thing to come out of Central Otago. Is that true?
1: (laughs) It
2: was a bold comment and one that I may (laughs) live to regret. But, yeah, yes, uh, competition came out of me a little bit and I started throwing some wild... Uh, statements around. So yes, (laughs) I am from Central Otago is probably the only truthful thing in that statement.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Perfect. So tell us, how does a boy from Central Otago end up in the Waikato?
2: Yeah, it's quite a story really. I grew up in, in Alexandra and my family still lives down there in Alexandra. So I still spend a lot of time in Central Otago and love that place. So yeah, I went through Dunstan High School and all my schooling there and then went off to university. And at university, I studied acting and business management, which was an unusual wow. combination. <laughs> that is a combination. And one that my family said that I'd struggle to find a job doing both. But I've proved them wrong and that's why I ended up in the Waikato when an opportunity came along at Hobbiton where I could combine my two passions and my two interests and and combine film and business all into one.
0: Perfect. I Perfect. had no idea about that.
2: <laughs> mm. Keep it. Keep it pretty secret, but when people know, they usually go, Oh, that makes
0: sense. It does actually make <laughs> a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. Having mm. seen you in various dress up costumes over the years and huh. the way you do embrace those characters, that absolutely makes sense. So, Gives tell us it. before we continue though, have you been on any actual film, like apart from Hobbiton, have you got any film credits to your name?
2: No, I don't, which no. is uh, an anticlimax for the story, but my one claim to fame, <laughs> I suppose is I, I spent years before moving to Hobbiton, I, I settled in Christchurch for five or six years and I used to work for a company in New Zealand and Australian Playhouse, which was a school touring group that travelled throughout New Zealand and Australia. So I did that for three or four years all around Rugby World Cup time. And then when I finally, I, I landed my job at Hobbiton where I started as food and beverage manager. And then two weeks into that role, I got a call from my agent saying Shortland Street had a part they wanted to offer me. So oh. I was going to be offered a six-month contract on Shortland Street, so that led to a very tough decision to make, but I decided to stick with Hobbiton and haven't regretted it, so that's obviously the right one to make. Oh,
0: yeah. perfect. Almost famous. What character were you going to be? Can you tell us?
2: Um, I can't remember the exact name. It was one of the ambulance drivers that was round Dallas or something along those lines. Oh, so okay. Yeah, he was on for a, a number of years, but it was six-month contracts, so and I only just started at Hobbiton, and we were... In the process of building the Green Dragon, and I was really enjoying that process, so I stuck with Hobbiton. Oh. As I said, no
1: regrets.
0: Well, Good on you. could have known an A-lister.
1: I am yeah. um, funny. I actually was going to suggest was it Shortland Street a big break? But anyway, you beat me to <laughs> it. You did. You got it. Yeah. So Shane, Hobbiton seems like a pretty cool um place to work. So can you tell us more um about that? And were you a fan of Lord of the Rings before you started working there?
2: Um. I wish I could say, yes, I was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings before (laughs) I started working there, but to be honest, I, I wasn't. I was aware of them. Obviously, there was a lot of locations used throughout New Zealand for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So when I was in high school, I was aware that the Lord of the Rings was being filmed. And my brother was actually in the movie. He was one of the the orokai, the super orcs. He was one. He was the one that fell over in front of the camera. And then we were to workshop digital, used the amazing technology that multiplied all the characters. So he fell over on the big screen a couple of hundred times. So we still make fun of him about that. But yeah, I, I had a job. Well, when my wife actually got a job up in Matamata and people, and that was in between acting contracts for me and I had three months to fill and a few people making jokes of, are you going to go and work at Hobbiton? And I didn't actually know Hobbiton was a real place at that time being from the small town of Alexandra in the South Island. We didn't talk <laughs> about Hobbits much, but I went up there and they're actually advertising for a barista. So I went in and filled in my three months in between acting contracts at Hobbiton. And that's when it sort of, That passion for Lord of the Rings started coming out as I started meeting the film people. And then, yeah, went from there.
0: Brilliant. So how did you go from barista to food and beverage manager to GM sales and marketing? Yeah, quite.
2: Made very good coffees, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I had my three-month contracts, and that was when we were a much smaller business. I was at Hobbiton originally in 2010 for three or four months. Mm -hmm. We're a smaller team. There was about... 16 of us at that time. And I came in when everything was in the shire's rest. There was significantly less than 100,000 people visiting us every year. I finished up my three-month contract and that's when Russell, our CEO and founder said, well, you go away and do your acting thing and get a little bit more experience in business and management. And then I'm thinking about building a pub in two years time. I'll uh, give you a call because I'd quite like you involved in that process when we start that. So I thought that was one of those nice things that bosses say as, mm. as an employee is departing and they just offering those nice gestures. But Russell, true to his word, rang me up. It was two years and one week later and said, what are you up to? I'm building a pub. Do you want to come back? So that's when I ended up moving from Christchurch up to Matter Matter. And yeah, came in originally as food and beverage manager helping Russell and the team with the construction of the Green Dragon and and the fit out of the kitchen. And then that was my first role, building a team that ran the Green Dragon, helped set that up. And then I ran all our venues for the first two years before switching over to sales and marketing after that.
0: Wow, that's
1: quite a story. Yeah. That is a great
0: story. Hey, now I've got a bit of a cheeky question. But let's face it, Hobbiton is one of New Zealand's best-known attractions now. And it's pretty much marketed in every New Zealand campaign that goes to air. So what's your biggest challenge as GM of sales and marketing there?
2: Yeah, the the biggest challenge uh, for us is just to keep ourselves um, relevant and at the forefront. Obviously, for a, a number of years when the movies were out Hobbiton and was part of the must-dos within New Zealand and the risk for us was once the movie started dropping off a little bit you'd lose that placement so we do we do have a very talented sales and marketing team everyone's pretty familiar with Henry Horn who's travels all around the world promoting Hobbiton and doing a fantastic job and also Lily and our, and our marketing team as well so that, that's the challenge just to make people think oh as soon as the movies goes Hobbiton was going to drop off and likely those people who have seen the movies and love the movies they should always be our core audience we should never lose those customers so the challenge was to broaden our horizons beyond that to be that's when we knew we're going to be a sustainable business Mm. so today around 50% of our visitors haven't seen the movies or read the books so that was our main challenge was trying to crack a little bit more into the masses to try and educate people that it's it's a behind the scenes movie set tour and lord of the rings and the hobbit is 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 the part in that story but you don't necessarily have to have seen the movies to come along and enjoy the experience
0: yep yeah i'm i'm one of those people i think i fell asleep um at the end of the first movie and thank you for having me we'll wrap it up here <laughs> <laughs> but I have been to Hobbiton numerous times and I absolutely love it. And I think for me, it's the storytelling that you guys do. It's, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't matter if you haven't seen the movie. It's just a, It's a magical place. I I have to tell you something funny. One of my friends came over from Australia last year with her family and I was working, unfortunately, but my husband took the day off to take them up to Hobbiton. And Val is a bit of a a classic girl. And and she was just standing there apparently with her jaw, like mouth wide open going, wow, this is amazing. And then she turned around to John, my husband, and said, it's just like being on a movie set. (laughs) And of course, then realised what she'd said and felt a little bit silly, but <laughs> she was. That's just
2: good. It's where she came and enjoyed herself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She got swept up in the moment for absolutely sure.
0: Absolutely transported to somewhere else. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so Shane, how has Hobbiton fared through COVID and what strategies have you guys undertaken to counteract the impact of the border closures?
2: Yeah, like everyone, I suppose there's no point hiding from it. It's been pretty tough times for us at Hobbiton since the, the closure of the borders and everything that's happened as a result of COVID. So, yeah, the, the first thing that happened, which was led uh, mainly by Russell and our board with uh, feed-in from, from myself and other exec members, was resizing the business to try and to try and fit a domestic-only market because obviously Mm -hmm. lockdown was going to be one part of that. But if we thought we were going to get out of lockdown and everything was going back to normal, we were kidding ourselves. So we had to resize the business and rescale the business to operate in a domestic-only market. Um, And also during lockdown, obviously, we didn't know what that domestic-only market was going to look like with so much uncertainties out there in the world. Yeah, that's what we did. We we resized originally from a staff of 280 down to 26, which was pretty significant and pretty emotionally draining on the whole team and and not something that I'd ever want to do again. But since we have reopened and gone back to... We are reopened in May, back to seven days a week, wow. which, which, which was nice to get a bit of uh, normality back into it for the team, and yeah. So we, when we reopened, we were back three tours a day. But since we have gone to five tours a day as our minimum which most of the time we are doing more tours than five a day which is nice we just do that as needed and as demand but the reason we went from three to five is when we only had three tours a day uh, we had about two hour gaps between tours and as I've heard on many of your other podcast episodes kiwis are notorious for just turning up without booking in advance or booking last minute so we were missing out on a little bit of business as people were turning up wanting to get on a tour we say the next available tour is two hours and would would miss that opportunity so we went back and re-looked at our, our departure schedule and realized that we could do five tours a day 45 minutes apart roughly with with two guides and that just meant we weren't missing out on those opportunities it was a lot more palatable for people to sit down in the cafe for half an hour until the next available tour so that was a big thing with that, as I mentioned, the domestic market um, is a lot more, it's shorter in their lead times. So we had to change our booking system to suit that. Previously, we used to cut off online 24 hours beforehand, mm-hmm. but that was back when international markets, they would book in advance and we had quite a nice pattern. So we could look throughout the year and we pretty much knew roughly how many people we were going to be getting each day. So that's the challenge we ran into as well as learning how to operate in a domestic only market and making sure we're not missing opportunities, but also making sure we're not overspending by having too many people or too many resources in place that we weren't going to use. So that was a little bit of a a learning and one we had to do pretty quick, but yeah, we got out there and, and did that and now pretty happy with where we are. We've grown back from 24, for um, staff members which we dropped to 24 or 26 as of last week we now have uh, 55 people on the books staff members and over summer we're looking at increasing till around 70 so we're just putting in some short-term contracts through to Waitangi but again who knows what summer's going to look like Kiwi summers usually revolve around water or the beach but we think it's a risk worth taking and after seeing how Kiwis have got out and, and traveled over the last holiday period we've We've done a little bit of forecasting and, th- and yeah, we have a plan in place that at the end of the day, we just need to make a decision, give it a crack and and run with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, and uh, you've been doing some other events there as well. I saw you had Sir John Kerwin hosting an event there the other night.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was pretty special and pretty cool. Obviously, we're pretty proud of the... The place we have in our community and and we want to make sure we're still actively engaged with our community and and the wider waikato region mm-hmm. uh so that was something russell our ceo is is good mates with sir john Cowin, and obviously he's done some pretty incredible work in the mental health space mm-hmm. so he came out to hobbiton into our, our new hub venue which uh, we launched just before lockdown and covid really hit sir john kirwin came out there Uh, We hosted 120 people from around the Waikato. Uh, They all paid for those tickets and all the profits from that went back into John Kerwin's foundation, which he's going to use to work with people with mental health issues, which is very important at the moment, in schools within the Waikato. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to still be able to to do those things and and give back a little bit because everyone's struggling at this time. So.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I had a friend who was there and raved about it, said that he got a lot out of his talk. So it's, yeah, it's really nice to see businesses like yours still engaging, as you say, in the community and able to give back in times, you know, when it's pretty challenging there.
2: Yeah, and that was a pretty cool combination, merger of uh, our product, the Hobbit and Movie Set, but also Sport. So people came in, they had that incredible talk from john on a very important topic but then once they finished their presentation from john we loaded them onto the coaches went through gave them a tour of hobbit a movie set and then finished up with a big dinner where people could do some networking and, and talk to john one-on-one as well so pretty cool event that we did but that's another thing we've done to uh, sort of oh i nearly said one of those buzzwords but i'm not gonna say <laughs> to, to 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 what we're doing <laughs> at the moment and create things for the domestic only market so we've spent quite a bit of time listening to the customers and what they want so we thought our evening banquet tours were out until at least the end of the year until the return of international markets Mm
1: -hmm. but we had
2: a lot of kiwis emailing us and calling us asking when the evening banquet tours come in so we put those back in a couple of months ago and they're going really well and again we thought the international hobbit day which we run every year was pretty reliant on internationals but we had a lot of people from new zealand contacting us saying hey are you putting this on um, so we put on International Hobbit Day again on the 22nd of September. but uh, We came out of the, the second lockdown <laughs> the, the night before. So we got <laughs> through in the skin of our teeth by that. But yeah, we're just listening to what customers and what they want and sort of putting our products, adapting our products slightly to suit them or creating new products for the domestic-only market. Mm. We've got Beer Fest coming out next week. That's been sold out. Oh, Kiwis right. love beer. Kiwis love yep. Hobbit. Perfect
0: combination. <laughs> so is Beer Fest at Hobbiton?
2: Yeah, yeah, BFS is at Hobbiton, so people have the tour of Hobbiton, then finish up in our big fully themed marquee, and we work with Good George, who are our brewers, and they brew an additional uh, five brews on top of the four we have in the Green Dragon, Um, and people just come together for a night of good food and drink and, and entertainment, got one coming up for Christmas, and then a Summer Harvest Fest as well, and the idea with those, I suppose, is with the market at the moment not being replenished with internationals we're trying to create things to encourage repeat business with new zealanders and so far it's working working pretty well and a higher yielding product too so all in all
1: keep doing that shane do you think with what you've developed here in the domestic market how do you see when the borders do open will you still intend to keep running with some of these ideas or will there be some that will change again or, or will most of it drop off no, I think
2: we'll we'll ways. carry on running with these ideas. The likes of the International Hobbit Day and BFs were things we were previously doing, but just on a larger scale. But at the moment, we've had the opportunity to reshape those for a domestic-only market.
1: Mm-hmm. So we will
2: carry on doing those. The likes of the event we did with Sir John Kerr and the other night, we think that's really important just for community license point mm-hmm. of view to carry on doing things like that. Mm-hmm. And the whole way along, we we haven't... we've done those extra products but as far as the core hobbit and movie set experience we're not reinventing the wheel at the moment we haven't made huge changes because we believe in that core product and it's always resonated really well with kiwis kiwis have always been 20 percent of those people experiencing that product so they're coming along really enjoying it but what i'm really looking forward to is Kiwis we've had a lot of people coming through saying we've always wanted to come to Hobbiton but we've never made the time and I know a lot of other people in the tourism industry are getting that as well Kiwis are out there traveling experience those products so New Zealanders are a huge part of our business and I'm really excited to have all those ambassadors running around New Zealand when the international markets do open and they can point people in the right direction of those attractions they've done and a few of those hidden gems as well so I think it's I think it's pretty exciting
0: yeah absolutely hey now tell me international hobbit day actually falls on my wedding anniversary (laughs) so what happens on international hobbit day do i need to like book that in for our next next anniversary
2: yes you do you will need (laughs) to do it and you'll need to remove your shoes and come and join us in the shire (laughs) Now, International Hobbit Day, usually we have 500 people from all around the world come and join us. And there are people that fly in just for the weekend, the The, the big Hobbit fans.
1: Yeah.
2: So International Hobbit Day is, is a real thing. We didn't just invent it. It's the 22nd of September. It's Bilbo and Frodo's birthday, and it was always recognized around the world. Wow. We only started celebrating it five years ago, and that's when I first started at Hobbiton. It always bothered me a little bit that Hobbit Day sort of just passed us by, and I was like, we should own this. This should yeah. be our thing that the... The center of Hobbit Day, the, the place, the mecca that people want to go to celebrate International Hobbit Day should be Hobbiton. Absolutely. So we put in a small scale event for 48 people and that sold out relatively quickly and people enjoyed it. And then the next year we grew it to 150 and then we put in a big marketplace event and grew that to 500. And then, as I said, this year we scaled that back slightly. And that was also taking into account COVID and the domestic only market. So we took that back, but that was sold out at, at 300. People come in. Tour of Hobbiton, all our staff get to dress up. So rather than wearing our trademark beautiful Tartan shirts that you see with the family Tartan, uh, we all transform into Hobbits for the day. Uh, You have your tour of Hobbiton, finish up in the Green Dragon. We create a Hobbit marketplace out there, which is all fully themed by our talented props and art crew. You walk through and we want people to feel like they've just walked in on a Hobbit's market day. So there's meats and cheeses and breads, and then there's the Hobbit entertainers walking around as well, Hobbit Mm -hmm. bands, and then there's a big feast in the Green Dragon and one up in the Marquee as well. So a pretty special evening, and I recommend, Michelle, you celebrate your anniversary with us next year.
1: I might have to put that on the list. With 500
2: of your closest
0: personal friends. (laughs) (laughs) They might get our wedding party to come with us. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's other Hobbit Day, International Hobbit Day events around the world, how where what are the types of places that people are celebrating in and do you have much interaction with those other places as well yeah we we have
2: a little bit here and there with that most people they get together with their their friends their their uh, their Hobbit friends and uh, the people that they've grown up reading the books with and and watching the movies with. So they all get together and they have small scale celebrations, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them do in previous years as well. We didn't do it this year just because of the little bit of uncertainty with, we found international markets, It created a little bit of confusion, although it is really nice that we were able to celebrate like that in New Zealand with a large-scale open-air event. When we had little snippets of that coming out, we had a little bit of feedback from the international markets that were spooked of, why aren't you wearing face masks? Why is there so many people in one spot? Why aren't you people social distancing? So this year, we were quite conscious of not trying to look like we were showing off or bragging, but we still wanted people to be able to interact with us and yeah. feel like they were part of the event yeah. so we had a, a, a 360 walkthrough of the event space which people were able to do mm-hmm. and have a look around the, the event but in previous years we have done facebook lives and people of course have the opportunity after they've been to hobbiton to purchase their green dragon steins so we have a lot of people tuning into the facebook lives and enjoying a hobbit ale out of their green dragon mug and feeling like they're at part of it the home of lord of the rings
0: oh very nice hey so can you offer any advice to other tourism businesses who might not be as big or well known as hobbiton in terms of what they could be doing right now to get through these crazy times that we're in
2: yeah yeah i know everyone it's quite a hard one really because everyone's on a different journey with everyone's businesses being so different but i suppose what we've we've done at the moment is we've And that's why we've changed our our departure schedule. We're just trying to make it as easy as possible for people to come out and experience the product. So we've changed our booking model model and online and our booking engine so it's easier for people to book. We've put more staff on, so now we're anticipating that there is going to be a large number of walk-ups because that's what Kiwis do. So we have those staff members there, so if people walk in, it's as easy as possible for them to come and experience us. So that's probably... The main thing we're doing and the other thing is as I said everyone's on a slightly different journey but if if people are around it's because they were a pretty successful tourism attraction and they have their own little special nuggets and their own their own niches and obviously some people are more weighted to more domestic uh, sorry international than domestic but there's a lot of companies that you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel or try to completely reinvent yourself to still be appealing. Just believe in what you do and hopefully keywords will come along and enjoy that.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, good advice. I, think, I think one of your tips, Shane, from what I got from what you were telling us about with your products was listening to your customers. You obviously said that a few of them emailed about the banqueting and, and obviously contacted you for the things that they felt they were missing. So you took that on board and, and adapted to that. So that's great.
2: Yeah. And I think that that's a, a very good point. And one that I'd just like to add to a little bit is make sure you're listening to your customers and your potential customers, not just the general masses. I know quite a long time, tourism were finding it quite hard because there was a lot of noise about tourism and being overpriced and needing to completely reinvent yourself and pivot and blah, 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 which there's (laughs) some important messaging in there. Sorry, that sounded slightly disrespectful, but there is some important (laughs) messaging in there, but it is very easy to get swept up in all that noise. And at the end of the day, a lot of that is noise. I know Michelle has said on a podcast before, a lot of those people Aren't your customers, and they're probably not going to be your customers. Mm. So believe yeah. in your products. Make sure you're listening to the right people, and then trying to create the products that are going to suit those people that are more likely to convert. And yeah, hopefully you'll be alright.
1: Yes,
0: hallelujah.
1: Yes, <laughs> very good. Mm. Look, there's been a lot of chat about the tourism summit that was a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there. But uh, what were the main points that you took away from that day, Shane? I
2: the main sort of main thing I enjoyed about the tourism summit is I really enjoyed reconnecting with the industry from we've always been such a social industry and to have such a long period of time without seeing all your colleagues and your really good friends was really hard. Although there has been zooms and phone calls and, and all that type of thing without actually connecting in person, I was starting to feel quite disconnected from those people. So I just found that really, really Oh, It was great just to go and see people in person and feel a little bit of normality and see that everyone is on quite a similar journey together. So I I really enjoyed that. The other thing I really enjoyed was, because I probably should say more than I just enjoyed having the social (laughs) space with everyone, which is probably why they found it hard to get everyone back from morning tea because everyone was going through the same thing. But I I really enjoyed hearing from the new CEO of New Zealand and and, and hearing his journey because obviously he's walked into a pretty tough environment there with all the effects that COVID was having on their business but it was really nice and reassuring to hear that in New Zealand is obviously going through some pretty huge things but it's the same thing that everyone else within the tourism industry is going through just on a larger scale
1: mm-hmm. so by
2: hearing his points which sort of backs up what we've been doing with our businesses sometimes you're just better off to make a decision and not sit back and wait for things to change. Make a decision so you can start driving your business forward. And then as you need to also be aware that you might have to change that decision several times and write that decision on the way through, but just make a decision and get things moving. So it was really reassuring to hear that E New Zealand was sort of on the same journey as all of us, but just on a bigger scale. So mm. it, was, it was a great summit. I, I really enjoyed it.
1: That's great. I think one of the things that we've all learned through COVID is, and if you haven't, then you've probably not survived, is flexibility or adaptability or both even, you know, we have to be flexible in the way that things have changed and we have to adapt to those changes. So, yeah, that's- yeah one of those people because not only is he GM sales and marketing
0: I do hear that he's driving the odd bus and um, guiding tours as well at Hopperton at the moment so <laughs>
2: yes that's great I I'm, I'm actually really really enjoying that so with everything that's happened I'm back now looking after all the commercial arm um, of the business as well as sales and marketing so overseeing sales and marketing events the Green Dragon Inn the shire's rest our food and beverage offering our events and then uh working very closely with the team on, on on tour ops but yeah as silly as it sounds and obviously you don't want to be doing this because of the situation we're in but i've really enjoyed getting back into the saddle and mm-hmm. and reconnecting at the the face of the business being in there as we all have driving buses pouring beers at the green dragon guiding tours and just getting in because at the end of the day we have to the, the customer is at the forefront of everything we do so my sales and marketing can wait until later yeah if we've got a customer there standing in front of us and they need hosting they when the whole company knows that that person is our priority so you drop whatever you're doing and we look after the customer and give them the best time possible so and that, that's right to the top, Russell. Our, yeah. CEO, he the other day, there's a very official welcome on our coach of Sir Peter Jackson and Russell. Welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Russell Alexander. I'm the founder and CEO. And now as he's driving the bus, he can say, and bus driver of Hobbit and Movie Set. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's just out there doing what we need to do to be able to host people.
0: Yeah, just reminds us why we do what we do, doesn't it? But when you've got that real first-hand interaction with customers, and sometimes as time goes on and you get busier, you do get locked in your office, and so it has been nice just to be back on the coal face, as you say, and just you remind ourselves that this is why we do what we do. It's yeah, and idea. it's really
2: nice to talk to customers as they're just finishing the experience and they're on the bus, and it's it's an opportunity to do a little bit of market research. How did you enjoy yeah. that? Mm-hmm. What did you think? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so what could we make in the most? Of
1: it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, and especially being Kiwis as well. So, you know, you get that surprise factor and they've been wowed by your product. And it's really, it's great if you can wow a Kiwi, you can you can pretty much wow anybody who comes back internationally. <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> they are a hard driver as a market, aren't they?
2: Yes, they were a very hard driver. And we were a little bit nervous about how we were going to go in a domestic-only market. They've, they've mm-hmm. always been a hugely important part, being 20% of our business. But when it was a domestic-only market and Kiwis are the expectations from what they're receiving in their own backyard is a lot higher than internationals. Mm -hmm. So we were quite nervous, but so far the feedback from Kiwis have been, has been really, really good. And our tour ratings actually improved across all of our TripAdvisor and Facebook and everything. So
1: yeah, as I said,
2: it's a pretty cool Kiwi story and the Hobbiton experience is resonating with Kiwis.
0: Yeah absolutely oh cool hey shane well we're pretty much at the end of the um interview now so thank you for joining us but there's just one little thing that we like to do and you've you have been listening to the podcast episodes previously so we've got our little quick fire round Mm -hmm. up for that i'm up for it excellent (laughs) okay so just whatever pops into your head straight away okay okay summer or winter summer mountains or ocean
2: uh ocean
0: North Island or South Island? Mm.
2: South Island, and that's going to yes. get me in trouble. But I love the South.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll be making a call to Russell after this. Um, <laughs> beef or lamb? Ooh. Beef. Favorite place in New Zealand?
2: Oh, there's so many. Um, I, lo- I love Golden Bay. I'm a big fan of Golden Bay, so I love that place. And I also love Napier. I'm a big okay. fan of Napier. We've got family down there, and good food, good bars, and oh,
0: just yeah. one, just one. You Alexander. can't please everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I've
2: got the trilogy. It's on brand.
0: What's your favourite place in the world? Uh,
2: oh, I uh, London. I love London.
0: Okay, yeah, London. <clears throat> cool. Uh, what's your favourite ice cream flavour?
2: Uh, caramel fudge.
0: Oh, yeah. No
2: change, no. late switch, banana chocolate chip, but I can't find it these days.
0: Oh, okay. There we go. We'll keep an eye out for you. Red or white wine?
2: Oh, start on white, finish on red. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta cover your bases. True, true yeah. tourism person there, right? Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite thing about working in tourism?
2: Uh, the people probably the same answer as everyone I love the people in this industry yep
0: and what's the best tourism experience that you've had
2: does it have to be in New Zealand because there's been some amazing ones in New Zealand but I think because it's a bucket list item I've always wanted to do the best thing I've done as a tourism experience was walking along the Great Wall of China for a day
0: oh yes Mm. I will join you on that that was incredible so did you do that last year yes I did Yes, that's right. So Shane and I were actually in China at the same time last year for KiwiLink and didn't realise, and I think we missed each other by a day on our tour of the Great Wall. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. fabulous. I completely am with you. And, look, I've just thrown in a last-minute one with your acting career because I (laughs) thought I had to. Home and Away or Neighbours? Ooh. Home and Away. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Hey, well, thanks for joining us today, Shane. It's been awesome having you on the podcast. Really enjoyed learning a lot more about you today.
2: Probably too much, but thanks for the opportunity, (laughs) team. It's been a lot of fun.
0: And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Shane. Bye. Well, wasn't that a great interview? I really enjoyed that, as we mentioned at the start of the episode. But if you did enjoy it, please don't forget, if you're listening in on Apple Podcasts, you can scroll down to the bottom of our page, click the five stars and write a review. We really appreciate if you do that. And there's been some great feedback coming through. And subscribe, whatever podcast app you're listening in on at the moment, make sure you follow us or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes because we have some great people lined up coming in to talk to you and to us over the next few weeks. We'd love for you to stay in contact with us. You can do so by following us at Instagram. It's at Destinate underscore NZ. Or you can follow us over on Facebook at Destinate NZ or even on LinkedIn. Again, it's Destinate NZ. Or you could just come along to the website and contact us via the contact us form at destinatenz.com. Well, until next time, everybody, a day!